0: You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. The Christmas season. Here we are, um, even though it's been a a summer of a a November, and uh, I was laughing about it the other day, only in California. All of my friends back east, I had been sending them pictures saying, I hope you're enjoying your, your frost. But there's... A lot of interesting topics that surround um, the Christmas season, Christmas celebrations. And some of those topics, we, we, we have cards that reflect the topics of Christmas. We have decorations that reflect the topics of Christmas. We sing songs about all of these topics that capture Christmas. And some of these topics we understand and some of them we don't. And as an example, I remember, I think it was last year, the year before, the year, it would have been the year before, anyway, I can't remember getting up there where my years are blending, but we were singing the song Noel, and we were singing it over and over and over, Noel, 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 and I'm like, I have no idea what that word means right now, but I'm singing it like I passionately understand that, and I wonder, some of you are like, what's it mean? It's a French word that talks about Christmas, means Christmas in Latin, it's birth and all and maybe you sing the song and you you you're not like me you don't go into I don't know what that mean modes but I, I I do um we had we had Christmas carolers that came by our house one time and I thought it was so cool they were singing I wish you a Merry Christmas I wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and all that and I was listening to them, and they broke out with this one line oh give us some figgy pudding oh give us some figgy pudding oh give us some figgy pudding and and, and then they, 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 the next line was, we won't go until we get some. We won't. We're not going to go until we get some. And I remember just going, Let's, I'm singing it with them. I don't even know what figgy pudding is. And they left without some. I mean, you know, it's just the way it's supposed to go. But when we, when we begin to talk about these these topics, Advent is one of them. And, you know, a lot of us might not even know, know the understanding or the background of this whole Christmas Advent thing. Maybe some of us are raised at home where we celebrated Advent season in our home or we went to a church where they celebrated Advent season. I know here we have an Advent service each year where we come together and and do this one time in the month of December. Um, And all of those traditions, uh, I think, are are really special um, if they are accomplishing the goal of helping us Focus on Christ. Um, the word Advent means arrival, uh, means coming or the beginning. Um, for Christians, it is a time throughout the month of December where we we really recognize the significance of His first coming and and His second coming. Um, the history of the Christmas Advent goes all the way back to the fourth and even well the fifth and fourth century. Um, where it was really noted throughout church historians as just a time of fasting in December as it related to focusing better on, on Christ. Um, it developed into a, like a, a monthly thing through the church in more of the uh, Orthodox churches and whatnot. And you, you move all the way up into the 1800s and there was a, a whole account about a German pastor who, uh, in the middle of the, the, the latter part of, like, the 1830s, he was establishing a church there in Germany, and he had a, uh, a home for orphans, and the orphans came to him and were like, is Christmas today, is Christmas, day? like, orphans were like, is today the day, is today the day, and he realized that he needed to help get their focus off of, like, the celebration, like, we want to celebrate and have the party and the whatever, And get it on Christ. And so he took a wagon wheel. And um, he put 28 candles on it. And 24 small red candles around the rim. And then these four white candles uh, there at the center. And he basically was like, you know, I want you guys to know that um, every day we're going to light a candle. And talk about another aspect of the Christmas story about the Christ and who he is each day until we get to Christmas Day. And that's a smart way to keep the kids fend off a bit, but it's a great way to get them to focus on um, what they should be when it relates to this particular um, Christmas season. So um, over the years, it's, it's kind of boiled down to more of we don't all have wagon wheels, so, you know, maybe you do, but I don't. But over the years, it was more concise, a smaller thing. The wreath was actually brought out. Some people have the calendars, uh, Advent calendars and whatnot, but the wreath. And more traditionally, there would be either four or five candles on the wreath and one center candle. And it's all according to the culture um, and, and maybe even the era that you would look back on as far as Christians celebrating Advent as far as to what um, the candles would um, represent. But traditionally, and over the last few years, we've had a series of the five candles out. And the first candle would represent the hope of Christ. Um, The second candle representing the love of Christ. Uh, The third candle representing the joy of Christ. Uh, Then the peace of Christ. And then we would have the cinder candle always representing um, the salvation of Christ, and we would do that in one service, and it was always a bit rushed, really. We really couldn't talk a whole lot about each of those topics, and so this year when we were discussing this particular, you know, Christmas season, last year was so weird. We thought that let's just get together and take one of those topics each Wednesday night um, leading up to um, um, Christmas. There's also the Bethlehem candle and other, you know, candles that have different symbology tied to them. But this is, this is really where um, we are going to be going. So if you haven't been in an Advent, you know, setting in someone's house or in the church, um, it typically um, will have a time where someone will open up in prayer. They will light the first candle um, and then someone will, will pray uh, over that night, what they're going to be talking and whatnot about. And so um, we're going to do that tonight. We're going to ask whoever table you're at to light. Um, we're going to do something different. We're going we're to ask you to light the center candle tonight, okay, and, and I'll explain why. So go ahead and light the center candle, and that's the white candle if you, I think I can't see that far. Light a candle. That's what you can do. And then um, once you light the candle, have someone at your table, as we can have maybe a, a moment to just, you pray over your table. Just say that, ask the Lord to bless our time. Okay? Someone go ahead and do that. Let's turn our Bibles over to... The Gospel of John, chapter one, and um, what we what we may do is we may take two topics on the next two Wednesday nights. Um, which I guess if we look back on that, maybe the hope and the love of Christ. Then um, the following Wednesday, the joy and the peace of Christ, and then we're going to kind of get into salvation and the second coming of Christ. Um, Our last time together, but tonight I just wanted to talk about when we we light this candle, um, just the light that we're talking about here, and how it really reminds us of who Jesus is. Um, I think that's very, very important to start with that and to reflect upon that. And I'm going to give you guys a number of scriptures tonight that you may want to even as we're putting them up on PowerPoint, write them down as it ties into this. And you might even want to be building your own little, um, you know, Advent um, study for your own, you know, home, your own children, uh, your, your marriage, whatever it might be. Um, and I think this is a good way to, to start just talking about the light as we're going to be lighting these candles and how it reminds us again of who Jesus is. And John uh, 1, 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. He, speaking of Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend. So in my notes, I, I just highlighted a couple of words that John would use to describe Jesus. One is this word, the word word, and the other, of course, is the word light. The Gospel of John, if you've not heard me state this, it um, As you read through it, you realize that the sole purpose of his writing the gospel was that we would understand Jesus as God. He presents the deity of Christ. And so um, it's interesting here that he starts out talking about the nature of Christ um, and then using these two words to help us understand something about his nature. Um, In John's day, this word... For God, for Jesus, the word in the beginning was the word. We know that as the Greek word logos. And the the word logos, really to the Jewish mind and to even philosophers of their day, they would have looked at that word as the foundation for everything on the earth. When you spoke of the logos, you spoke of, of, of of creative force, of sustainable order, of of even the, the origin and the source and the sustainability of all knowledge and all wisdom. They actually called God the Word. It's it's the expression of who God is. God, of course, has expressed Himself to mankind in many ways through creation, through His love letter that we're reading right now, through Spokesmen, which, you know, ultimately were, of course, the prophets that we read. But, again, the ultimate way for God to express himself to mankind is not so much through the love letter, although it is important, or through the, 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 the prophets, although they are important. But the ultimate way to express himself to you and I is to come to you and I. So God became a man. We might say that, that, that Jesus is God's final word to man. This is what we all sing when we come to, you know, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be singing these, you know, more Christmas themed songs. And we always sing that hymn by, by Wesley Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And that one verse it says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased. As man, with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, God with us. So the word became flesh. John wants us to know that. He dwelt among us for 33 years. The word dwelt there is the word um, skeno in the Greek. It literally means to live in a tent. It's the idea like he'd be camped among us. And the emphasis is on two things there. Number one, God came to us to dwell with us but it also um, spoke of in the sense that it would be temporary. His time on earth would be temporary, tabernacle. He was in a tent. It would be temporary. That's the idea. But he dwelt among us, and he took on all the essential attributes of us, of humanity. He was made in the likeness of man. For you guys, the note takers, Philippians 2, 7 through 8, where it talks about Jesus, he... He made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of a man. Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and talked about, even to the point of death, the death on the cross. But the word was made flesh, and we'll talk about this a lot over the next four weeks, by way of that miraculous conception, the virgin birth, Romans 8, 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And so John just says, I just, when I start to talk about the nature of God, I want you to know, as I'm talking about that, I'm talking about Jesus. And I want you to know that, like, he pitched his tent among us so that he would become this you know, perfect sacrifice for us. That's the whole idea. Revelation 21, 3-4, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell, same word, skano, with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no more death, no more sorrow. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> yes. But the other word that we have here that I want to focus the rest of our time on is this word, light. The word, the Logos, Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness just didn't comprehend it. Over and over throughout the Old Testament, God is referred to as light. In Exodus 13, 21, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them during the day. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. And the the idea is that was God. God was there leading them by that pillar of, of, by the cloud during the day and the pillar of fire by the light at night. Psalm 27, one says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So whom shall I fear? What comes to your mind when you think about God in that context as light To the point where you'd be like, what should I fear? What's that speaking about is nature. In Psalm 36, 9, For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. Isaiah 16, 19, The Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God, your glory. John here in his writings... Frequently refers to God as light, and usually in the context of referring to Jesus. John 1, 4, and 5 here again, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In chapter 3, he'll be recording Jesus. This is what Jesus was saying in verse 19. He's like, hey, and this is condemnation, Nicodemus, that the light has come into the world. Speaking of himself, and men loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds would be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. In Revelation 21, verse 22 through like 24, John sees, he's like, Talking about heaven, he says, "I, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty, the Lamb, are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb, speaking of Jesus, is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in that light. I don't know if you ever picture Jesus in eternity that way, but that's how he's described in one sense, in one example. Light is a, is a singular term here that captures the essence of God's nature. It pictures his holiness. It pictures his purity. It even pictures his power. In, in, in John's metaphor, God isn't simply a source of light like like being brilliantly illuminated by light or a reflector of light. No, speaking of his nature, his essence. The idea is, being that God is, is light, Jesus is light, there is no trace, there is no possibility at all of having any darkness in him. He is all light, Zero darkness. In 1 John, he'll say it just like that. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. What does it mean? That he is only pure. <laughs> he is only holy. There's nothing impure about him. There's nothing unholy about him. He is all good. There's nothing bad. He is all clean. There's nothing dirty. He is all wrong. Right, there's nothing wrong. He is all truth. There's nothing false. He's all holy. There's nothing unholy. He is completely righteous. There's nothing unrighteous about him. There is no dark side to God. There's nothing negative about God, nothing sour, nothing nothing but light. God is light. And that is a very profound statement to say, as John is living on this earth in this very pagan culture with all of their pagan gods, the Greek and the Roman gods that were seen as imperfect and as dark and as cruel and as like troublesome. They would pale in comparison to the one true God who is the Word. Like Jesus is the revelation of God. The the, the one true God who is life and the one true God who is light. This is Absolutely, vitally important because without His light of purity and holiness and power in our lives, we would dwell in constant spiritual darkness. Amen? Amen? This is what we celebrate at Christmas. It's a simple fact that in the physical world as well as the spiritual world, that darkness cannot continue when it encounters light. Light always dispels darkness. Again, light emphasizes the manifestation of divine life. Light is God's life manifest in Christ. In John chapter 8, John will be giving an account of Jesus going up to the Temple Mount. It's been a week-long celebration of tabernacles, and Jesus is standing in front of thousands who gather around that area, and there at the Temple Mount, are these two, excuse me, four giant candelabras that were as tall as the city walls of the temple, and they would light these massive flames. They would leap up and illuminate the temple and the city itself over the week. It was... Very, very spectacular. It was a way of, of reminding the people of how God was light and led the people through the wilderness as such. But once those, once the, the, the end of the celebration would come, they would put out those torches, kind of like we would do with an Olympic torch. They would put them out with those charred torches standing there up by the temple. Jesus would raise his voice in front of the crowds in John chapter 8, verse 12, and he would say, I am the light of the world. (laughs) He who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now that audience knew that over and over in the Old Testament, God is called light. They knew that. They knew those four candelabras represented God as light. Now that light has flesh. Now that life has put on a face. Now that that light can be seen and that light could be heard. When Jesus makes that statement, he is clearly saying that he is the self-existent eternal God. And here in our text, John's like, the the light shines in the darkness. It, It shines in the lost world, but it's interesting here. But he says, but the darkness did not comprehend it. They didn't comprehend it. And that's kind of interesting. It's kind of like the light was there. But, but it was to overcome the darkness. But in some instances, that wasn't the case. And speaking of those that would reject the light. If we were to, and I don't know if we could do this right now, can we hit all the lights out in the room? Just turn them off. Just, you got one of those push-button things back there that just, bam, like black. So can you, can you like, unplug them? <laughs> like, we've never done this before. I know one of the kids around here knows where that switch is. They can just get one of the junior hires. Man, they'll be like, "Yeah, I know how to, I know how to hit the lights." Well, you you guys get the idea, right? You you. So we've we've just we've just dimmed the main lights. And what's standing out? If if all the life if all if if. In, okay. There you go. You're in darkness, I'm in light. I don't know what that means, but. Uh Uh-oh. I like that one better. Okay, just leave it there. In 24 days, it will be Christmas Eve. And I'm a visual guy. And I want you to think about this night where you sat around in Calvary Chapel of La Habra and we were reminded of Jesus that as far as all natural laws and all spiritual laws the metaphor of light tied to him speaks of his purity of his holiness and of his power. And there is no darkness in this room that your candle cannot defeat. I just want you to picture this. Just think about this. I want you to think about the darkest day, the darkest situation. I want you to think about whatever is looming and dark in your life. And I just want you to bring this thought. This is a natural law. We can't deny it. And as much as it is a reality in the natural world. It is a fact in the spiritual world. Turn the lights back on. I had some guys today as well, from my San Clemente group down there, they were like, hey, we, we think it'd be good to focus on the Lord every day leading up to Christmas. And I'm like, you guys have been hanging out with me during my Bible study hours. But one of the guys said, you know, if, if today we started reading the, the gospel of Luke, then on Christmas Eve, we can go to bed and we could have read everything that the Bible, that God wanted us to know over the 30, you know, three years of his lifespan about his life and his ministry. We could have read that A little bit of it every day, just one chapter a day, beginning. So you'd have to go home tonight and read this, not now. And then Christmas Eve comes, and you will be able to have looked over the entire span of his birth to his death, and on Christmas Eve, that's what you'll be thinking about. I thought that was really cool. So they all kind of did this, hey, who'll do it? And everybody signed on. So I said, I'm going to share that with my church and challenge them tonight. So you've just been challenged. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that everybody would believe in the light, believe in Jesus. He was not the light, John says. John the Baptist was not the light. He was just the forerunner to point people to him, to bear witness of him. But the fact that John the Baptist had to point out the true light, tells us something. The fact that he had to point out the true light shows us just how blind the world really is. Only blind people cannot see light. Second Corinthians 4.4 says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. There's nothing more radiating than God manifest in, manifesting himself through his Son that is light. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 6, that God is the, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. He's like you look at the natural world they're they're completely in darkness the the the, the light is there and they can they, light should be conquering the darkness but in the hardness of their hearts in rejecting Jesus and that in that sense their minds are blinded to the truth about him I am so thankful that God is willing to deal with man's blindness. Aren't you? So willing that he would send his son, the true light, into the world to give light to every man. Now, in Isaiah, God uses the word light several times as a reference to the Messiah, to, to his coming to man. In Isaiah forty-six or 49, 6 says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. In Matthew chapter 4, speaking of Jesus' ministry, it says that Jesus' ministry in the Galilee was to fulfill what was spoken by the the prophet or through the mouth of Isaiah to the people that are beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness, that they would see a great light. And that to to those who were sitting in the land and, and, and the shadow of death, upon them a light had dawned. Here, John is like saying, listen, the light is with you. Believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. So in verse 9, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came into his own, and his own did not receive him. The creator of the world became its Savior, yet they rejected him and did not know him in a saving way. In John 3, verse 19, Jesus would continue talking there to Nicodemus, this is the judgment that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. We read that earlier. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for their... their fear that their deeds would be exposed. People refuse to come to the light of Jesus because they love their sin and they just just don't want it to be exposed. And it's it's sad to see people rejecting the light. It's hard to see people rejecting the light. I was uh, doing a funeral today and as I was standing off to the side listening to people share about their loved one and a blessed saint, you know, died as a believer and the family was, you know, just so blessed that that was going on. But, you know, when you're standing in a graveyard and there's a a casket, it's sobering. It just is a very sobering setting. And so oftentimes I sit there and I'm watching and my heart starts pounding and I'm like, Lord, what is it that you want to say? That's what I do at, at, at funerals. I just like Lord, what do you want to say? And the Lord just starts tying certain scriptures together in my heart. And 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 sometimes I I I just stand in front of them like I am right now in front of you. And and as I start talking, I'm actually feeding off of what their response is. I just it's like I'm just me and them, it's and, and the Lord is right there. And and as I was sharing today, I I just I really sensed in my heart that there were there were some people that the light the light was going to like be revealed i could just i could sense it and as i was beginning to talk i was just walk watching this one particular area and these particular people standing there wouldn't even look at me they just kind of looked away and that's very common in funerals these days but the more they didn't look the more i did look and the more I just felt like the Lord just was downloading something for them. And I watched this group of people not look, begin to look, open their eyes bigger, and begin to smile. I watched it happen. Amen. I watched it happen. I didn't give it an altar call, raise your hand, come up here, and you know, I I just I saw the light conquer darkness. I watched it. And that's this is, this is the heart of John. This is, this is exactly what he's saying. He came to be revealed as life, as the word, and as light. And so the natural law of this in the natural sense, in the spiritual sense, is that everyone who should see, should see. But some don't. Some don't. And I've learned at some of the funerals, I like get so real, and I did today. I'm like, look, I've done these for 30 years. And I, I know that right now as I'm talking right now, I just go there. That, that some of you, this is like, when are you going to stop? That some of you, you don't want to hear this. This is, this is complete foolishness to you. But this is the word of God. And he loves you. And it's just such a like fight for the light and represent the light and don't back off. And I pointed to the casket. Like, I'm going to keep doing this until I'm one of those. Because that's the light in us. How do you contain that light? You don't, you don't put a lampshade over it, right? No, we, we, are, we are dispensers of that light. And I, I, I get shocked when I see people that are like, They're not getting it. I understand the natural man. They're blinded to these things. I understand what the the enemy's done. I understand that that they're loving something more than what you're talking about. I know that. It's the affection of the heart. And I understand that God's not going to force himself on anybody. That's why I like standing in graveyards. That's why I like reminding people of, ah, death in a graveyard. And we're all going to die. That's a good thing. That's why I like talking about none of us are going to escape this. Look around. That's why I like lovingly sharing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the heart of God. This is the heart of John. The good news is there are those that see the light and come to the light. In verse 12, but as many as received him, to him, or to them, excuse me, he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I love love the buts in the Bible, the B-U-T here, but as many as received him. We we read, he came into his own and his own didn't receive him. We understand that. We're going through the book of of Acts right now on Sunday mornings. And and hopefully it's sobering to you when we're reading through and we're seeing the, the opposition against the church and the people rejecting Christ. I hope that's sobering to you. He came into his own and many did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. You know, Paul says that Christians, we are children of the light. In First Thessalonians 5, verse 5, you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Darkness, the kingdom of darkness, that's the domain of Satan. We, we, we as believers, we are, we are children of the light. When we were saved, God called us out of darkness into his, his light. First Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him, who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we, we have come to the light. We are now children of the light. And then we are, we are light bearers. When it means to proclaim, that's the idea. We are to tell out. We are to, we are to advertise. We are to make known of the mighty works of God that he has accomplished in our lives. Life. We are to share with people how we were once in darkness, how we were once blinded to sin, and how God brought us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Remember, as we we looked at at the conversion of Saul, and we gave those two references, and one was in Acts chapter twenty six when he's in, before King Agrippa, giving his personal testimony. He's like, "Like you know, the Lord appeared to me, and and you know this is who I was, but then the Lord appeared to me, and and One of the things that he said that he was going to do with me is is like, use me. He's going to deliver me over to the Jewish people. And and, and he's sending me to the Gentiles as well. And, And he says to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Since God is light, And we are children of the light. That is a very different description now of who we are in Christ than who we were outside of Christ. As such, we no longer walk in darkness. It was John who would say in 1 John chapter 1 verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, this God who is light, we walk in darkness, we lie, and we we do not practice the truth. If, if we are in fellowship with God, if we are walking in the light, our lives are going to you know, back up what we say, what we tell people we believe. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from sin. And that just, it brings it back to the whole purpose of Jesus taking on flesh, doesn't it? This God who is light. If we are walking in step, walking in the light, this means that we are walking in, in, in line with his word. We are lock, walking in, in, in line with his will for, for our life. And as you're doing that, as a child of God, a child of light, and I'm doing that as a child of God, a child of light, we are walking in the light. That brings me into fellowship with you. If we walk in light as God dwells in the light, we enjoy intimate fellowship with him, God who is light, and and with others who are children of the light. And are we perfect? No. Because the blood of Jesus Christ continues to wash me and to wash you of our sins. Amen? Amen? It's a good thing. So, we kind of went backwards with the candle thing. I like breaking traditions. So, if you are an avid Advent follow the traditional thing, you would light the white candle last. We started with that tonight, so we're breaking tradition. But I thought it would be really good just to talk about God because we're going to be lighting all these candles and the flickering of the flame reminding us that God is light. Amen? Okay, so what we're going to do is give you guys um, some time just to pray and um, maybe you took some notes maybe there's something you'd want to share with just take another 10 minutes and, and pray over one another and thank God for being our light. Can you do that? Before we go, I want you to um, think about someone that you know needs to come to the light. Okay? Just maybe there's a family, maybe there's a couple, maybe there's someone that you're like, they need to come. They need to come to the light. And we're going to pray for them in just a minute. Two years ago, I was with a group of guys that we were meeting off site and they're all from different churches and they were all, they were all beefing out about their churches. My church doesn't do this. My church doesn't do that. They all complained about their churches after kind of a weekend retreat. And I said, well, now that you guys are like, you're okay. Your church is jacked up, but you're surely not jacked up. Why don't you guys start a church? And they looked at me like, are you crazy? no, 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 you guys, I mean, all these churches are jacked up. You guys start a church. And so they all said, well, w- w- how would we do that? And I go, well, you just start getting together. You all live down south, just get together. And one of the guys goes, well, if you've got all these bright ideas, why don't you come down there and lead it? I go, well, that's a given. I'll, I'll show up. And one guy sat there, his arms folded. And I might represent someone in this room, someone online, just... It represented a lot of this at a funeral today. We kept praying for him. Every single group text, every week, he was on it. We invited him to every study that we had for two years. And about three months ago, he came to one of the meetings And his heart had changed. Remember I told you about one of the guys coming up with this idea, let's all read through Luke's gospel? That was him today. Let's pray. Lord, we think about these people that we love them. We want to live a life with them, but meaningful, Christ-centered life with them. We, we, we so desire that these people that are on our hearts and minds, undoubtedly people you've put there, so need you. And Lord, as we've, we've watched and studied on Sunday mornings, looking at the life of Saul, no one is beyond the reach of your grace. So we just pray for whoever that is. You put their name there. And we pray that during this Christmas season, as we reach out to them, that the light will penetrate through the darkness and you will bring salvation to hearts, to marriages, to families. And Lord, we'd love to see that. We'd love to be part of that. So give us those opportunities. Give us the faith. And the the discipline, the boldness to reach out, to follow up, to send that scripture, to send that worship song, to make that call, to invite them to meet with us, to hang out and fellowship here. Whatever that might be, Lord, use us to be part of that answered prayer. And may we continue to pray for them. And may we even see, I don't know, some of those people hanging out here with us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Advent season.